Hey, praise God, praise God. We're in exciting times. Hey, thanks for your prayers over the last few um, weeks, is it days or weeks? Um, since we had our Pentecostal breakout, we have a Sunday, a couple of Sundays ago, we were able to minister, I was able to travel and minister to people in Pennsylvania, Jacksonville, Orlando, um, New York, and we just saw just God's power breaking out. Um, just people just coming to Christ in those meetings. And then we were up this weekend, uh, or the last couple of days up, um, TBN have given us an opportunity just to record shows. They've said that they'd like our stuff to be going out. So we went and did that as well. Some great opportunities that God's given us. But uh, keep us in your prayers. We're coming out of 31 days of breakthrough. And uh, I hope you've been enjoying the 31 days of breakthrough. Um, I have, and I was in different time zones. So one morning I woke up in England, and then I was in America, and I was like, I don't know, I'm just going to kind of aim at the morning, the afternoon, and the evening. And we've been hearing incredible stuff. It's almost like Tuesday was so much fun in our pastors' meeting, where we meet with the different pastors from our different congregations. And they were just beginning to say, this person got healed. This person got a breakthrough. This person's... And I was like, so basically, God, you're not going to wait for us. Because the rules were we were going to do 31 days of breakthrough, breakout. Then we were going to pray and fast. And then I was expecting to see the Lord break out during the coming year. But God's impatient to bless us. Amen. God's impatient to bring the breakthroughs. So if you've been a part of the 31 days of breakthrough, I want to encourage you. Why don't you carry on? No one says you have to stop. A number of people have said to me that they've really enjoyed just four or five minutes a day, morning, afternoon, evening. Well, according to experts, whoever they may be, it takes 21 days to develop a new habit in your life. Well, we've been praying three times a day for 31 days, which means this is like Daniel, a habit in our lives now. So I want to encourage you, don't feel you have to stop on Tuesday. Don't feel you have to stop because we've stopped doing it as a church Keep praying for other people in your church. Keep praying for the leaders. Keep praying for your family. But we're crossing on Tuesday from 31 days of breakthrough where we've been thanking the Lord for breakthrough, believing for breakout on the battlefield of our life this coming year. We're moving into eight days. Is it eight days? Ten days. My calendar is messed up internally. Ten days of prayer and fasting. And we're not religious about this. Why don't you just ask the Holy Spirit what he wants you to lay aside for 10 days? You know, some people are laying aside food. Some people are laying aside um, food that they like. Other people are laying aside social media. To me, the best thing to do is take a moment and say, Holy Spirit, what would you like me to lay aside for 10 days so that I can seek you and hear your voice for this coming year, for the church and for myself? So I know a number of people are doing a couple of days of full fast. Other people are giving up something they love eating or they delight in over the period of 10 days. But I just don't want to get religious about this. What's God saying to you? Take that thing. Because I know for young people, actually social media could be more powerful than laying aside a packet of crisps. You know, it could be crisps, no problem. Social media, get out of here. So what is it that the Holy Spirit's saying to you? For 10 days from Tuesday, you're going to lay aside and you're also going to intensify your prayer. Remember the model that we're following is the model of David, that he went to the stronghold, he inquired of the Lord. 
Then he heard from the Lord and went to the battlefield and saw victory. So we've done the inquiring, 31 days. Now we're going to do the listening. Some people have said, why are we fasting after 31 days? Because we've inquired of the Lord. Now we're going to listen over the next 10 days from Tuesday to what God gives us for strategy, ways forward. Is that exciting? Amen. Well, I'm excited. Stu's excited and Carla's looking excited. So we're all right. Well, welcome this morning. This is our Vision Sunday and this message is going across all of our congregations. Today we recorded it earlier and it's playing on the screens of all the other congregations. But this is a great Sunday where we... We consider the vision for the year ahead as a church, as a people. And it's a little bit different this year because normally we do it at the beginning of January, but we decided this year to do it at the end of January, going into um, a time of uh, fasting and prayer. And firstly, I want to say thank you to everyone that made last year happen because we look back on a really successful year. Last year was a strong year. Remember, it was April, it was Easter time last year when we were finally able to gather and we had those fun meetings out in the grass where, remember the first one? I got saturated and so did you, but it was so worth it being together. Easter time, we were able to regather. The church continued. Our church continued strong throughout that COVID season, but it was in April we were able to suddenly regather. That took a lot of work for kids' teams, the children's teams, the setup teams, the welcome teams. We almost had to, after 18 months, reboot the engine of our service and we did it strong. We came back strong and uh, I believe that that was down to incredible leadership of uh, Stuart and Carla and the other teams that make Family Church happen here in Portsmouth. But we want to say, however you helped us to come back strong, we're really thankful for all that you did. Also last year saw an incredible increased impact with caring for our community. We cared more for our community during that season of lockdown and last year than in any other year that we've known to date. We were able to, through Caring Hands and Baby Basics and other initiatives, not just take care of people who are a part of a church family, but also take care of the community that surrounds the buildings that we meet in. I mean, we're talking of so many hampers going out to needy families, um, you lose count. Isn't that brilliant? We were able to be a house of blessing. Even though in power centre we couldn't meet in it for a season, it became a distribution centre of blessing for other people. And God was all over that. So this Sunday is when we cast vision over the next year that lays ahead of us. And vision's important. Proverbs 29:18 says, where there's no vision, things perish. A definition of perish is to go round in meaningless circles. We don't want to spend a time, a year, going round in meaningless circles. We want to be deliberate. We want to be precise. We want to be busy doing the things that God has asked us to do. So the vision this year, I'm going to announce the vision for this year, and it's going to come up behind me when I say one, two, three, if our technical people are on this and our timing is correct. Our vision this year is simply this, one, two, three, run our best lap yet. So the vision is run. Did it come before me or after me? Before me. Good job, good job. It's up. I'm happy with that. Our vision this year is run, run. This is what I'm hearing from God. Run, run, run your best lap yet. I'm hearing two things when I'm praying the whole end of last year. Andy, when you look at 2022, run, 
Don't, don't crawl. Don't, don't drag your... Run, run. Have a run in your heart regarding what God's going to do with us as a church and as a people this year. But then I felt the Lord say to me, don't just run, because you can run like that. Run. Run your best lap yet. And I really believe and I prophesy over Family Church that this is going to be our best, most effective, most soul-winning, most disciple-making year that we've known. It's interesting that this year we celebrate 25 years of being a church. Isn't that incredible? October time, we've been doing this for 25 years. But I believe that this year is going to be our best one yet. And it's based on what I'm hearing in my spirit. There's such an excitement in my heart. That's why I can't stand still when the church begins to praise. Wasn't that good praise this morning? Janine, Gabby, the team. Wasn't that good praise? Didn't it make you want to run? I wanted to tear around the building. But that's what's going on in my heart at the moment. I'm having trouble sleeping because I'm so excited by what I believe God is going to do in this year. Where many other people have given up, written off for a year. God's saying this is going to be the best year yet. Get ready to run. You're going to run your best lap. Now, I believe that's not just a word for us as a church. I'm going to look at this for us as a church first. But also, that's a word for you. That God's speaking over you and your family, even if you're discouraged, even if you're disillusioned, even if you're disappointed. God is speaking over your life. Get ready to run. Run, run, run. This isn't a year to crawl. This isn't a year to sit in front of Netflix. This is a year to run, not just run, but set your heart to run your best race for God yet. It's about knowing the season that we're in. One of my favorite verses when it comes to understanding seasons is 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32. It speaks of the sons of Issachar. Now, Issachar was one of the 12 tribes of Israel, but it says this of the sons of Issachar. And the sons of Issachar, the people of God, knew the time and the moment that they were in, but they also knew how they should respond. And I really believe that that's what God's going to be doing with us this year. But number one, we will know the urgency of the hour. We will know the moment that we're in, but also we will know what God wants us to do to respond to the moment that we're in. Now, we need to realise that we're coming out from a season now that we've known into a brand new one. There's been so much talk over the last couple of years of the COVID season, lockdown. You know, if Bruce Springsteen was to make a song of it, he'd probably call it COVID days. You know, it was, it's been an obsession in the media, the fear that's come from the media and certain things. But I want to say to you, I really believe that that season is done. And now the door is open and God's saying to us, come out and run. Come out and run. Come out and run. Lockdown is over. That season of being locked down is over. But there's many people and sadly many churches that are still sitting in the corner of a prison cell. That's not me and that's not family church. That door is open and we're going to run. This year we're going to run faster and harder in the grace of God than we've ever done before. I liken this moment a little bit to the story of Joseph. I think it's in Genesis 41, verse 14. It speaks of that moment when Joseph is let out of prison. You see, Joseph had a lockdown that he didn't deserve. If you read the story of Joseph, how many people remember the story of Joseph? You've seen the film, read the book in the Bible, seen the play in Broadway. I close my eyes, 
Pull back the curtain. Yeah, okay, you've seen it. That's great. We all understand the story of Joseph. He had a dream when he was young. And it was a dream that didn't come to pass till later on. And the dream wasn't delivered and answered by um, UPS straight away. But he went through this strange, unusual journey. And a part of that journey <clears throat> meant that he was put in prison, falsely accused for things he didn't do. Has anybody ever had that happen to them? He was in prison for something he didn't do. He was innocent. Suddenly, the, the wife of the leader of the nation had tried to make a move on him. He'd been godly in his response and ran away. But then she framed him to her husband. And Joseph was arrested and put in prison. And he's walking around prison going, I don't know how you, I didn't do it. But they've said this about you. I didn't do it. I wasn't there. But no one was listening. So he was in an imprison of false accusation. But he wasn't crippled and he didn't quit. Why? Because he knew that God had given him a dream. God had given him a dream when he was a boy that he would be prime minister of a nation, that he would lead a nation through a terrible season into the freedom that God had for them. And he knew in his heart that dream hadn't yet happened. So he's in a prison, but I just see Joseph walking around the prison just looking at that door. Just looking at that door. Saying, you're going to open. You're gonna, I don't know when. You're going to open. And when you do, I'm going to come rushing out, not like a bat out of hell, but like a dove out of heaven. I'm coming through that door like I'm riding a Harley Davidson because God's got a plan for my life. Other people in the prison were sitting there. They'd gone fetal in the corner, given up. But not Joseph. He's walking around the prison saying, I don't belong here. I don't deserve to be here. I'm here because someone lied about me. But I know that door's going to open. And when that door opens, I'm running out. I'm not going to crawl out. I'm not going to be a pathetic display of a human crawling out into the daylight. I'm going to rush out like a dove out of heaven. I'm going to come. I'm going to come out. I'm going to run. And other people were quitting, but I see Joseph in the, in the corner of that prison doing spiritual push-ups. Got to be ready. Got to be ready. Got to be ready. Got to be ready. My moment's coming. That door will open. Why? Because I know that God spoke to me. And I haven't seen yet the things that God told me he would do through my life. Which means there's no way that that door can stay shut. And he's walking around. That door's going to open. That door's going to open. He's prophesying over a baker and over a cupbearer. And uh, even functioning in his spiritual gifts. He hadn't quit. He was ready for that door. And all of a sudden, click, click, click. He heard the door open. He left his belongings behind. And he went through that door like a bolt of lightning. <clears throat> now when you read in Genesis chapter 41, it's lovely how God brings moments together. He prophesied over a baker and a cupbearer, and it wasn't so good for the baker, but the cupbearer, after he got set free because of the word that Joseph gave him, completely forgot him. Because God has a moment where he causes things to come in a moment he wants. And there comes this incredible moment when you've got the leader of the nation who's got a dream he can't understand. And he gets his wise men and they can't answer it. Then all of a sudden, this cupbearer that happens to work for the leader of the land says, I know a man, and in that moment, after years of forgetting him, he remembers Joseph in a prison. And he says, I know a man that can answer your dream. 
And the leader of the land said, go get him, I want him now. So they sent for Joseph and it said they opened the prison door. He came rushing out, he washed. He came before the king and said, I'll interpret your dream for you. He was fresh, he was on his toes. He interpreted the dream for the leader of the land. And within the end of the day, he'd become second in charge of the nation, only under the leader himself. Can you see how quick something can happen? He went from an imprisonment for something he never did to coming out of a prison cell, but the moment he came out of a prison cell, he was ready to lead the nation into what God had for them next. Listen, we're no longer in that lockdown season. The door is open. We can't live like we're in lockdown. It's time to take your lockdown slippers off, get your trainers on and realize this is our moment. This is our time. I'm not in lockdown mode. That's so last season. I'm in the mode where now watch what God's going to do in Great Britain. Watch what God's going to do in the Western world. Every other card player at the table has played their cards. COVID has played his cards. The devil has played his cards. But there's one last person that hasn't played his cards yet. And he's about to put his hand on the table. And that's God. And he's looking for a people that are ready to run. He's looking for a people that aren't curled up in a prison cell, living in a former season. But a people that say, come on, God, let's do this. Let's impact a nation. Let's see more people saved than ever before. Let's see miracles breaking out let's see here I'm preaching better than what you're responding that's for sure come on this is what God's speaking to us as a church here's a key verse I believe that we should focus on through this year and it speaks of a race it speaks in Hebrews 12 of a race it says therefore since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses those who ran before us let us now throw off everything that hinders and the sin that can so easily entangle get baggage off your life get sin off your life and then it says and let us run let us run with perseverance the race that he has marked out for us fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer the champion the perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross scorning its shame now sat down at the right hand of the Father in heaven. It speaks of a people that went before us that ran their race. That's a great crowd of witnesses that are leading over the balconies of heaven, looking at us going, run, run, run. It speaks of Jesus who ran his race, going to a cross for our benefit. He's speaking over us, run, run, run. But it's our race now. It's our lap. It's not the lap of Billy Graham. It's not the lap of um, Catherine Coleman. It's not the lap of the Apostle Paul. It's our lap, and it's our time to run. Now, normally at this time of year, I bring you a new vision, but actually I don't want to bring you a vision. I want to bring you a mission. Because I've discovered that we talk too much about vision. And actually, vision is something that serves something greater than itself. If you have a vision, it's because you have a mission. And we've spent many years talking about a vision for a year. This year, I don't want to talk about vision. I want to talk about mission. I want to say that this year, we're going to focus more than ever on the mission that Jesus has given us. A mission that he gave us 2,000 years ago. And he's never changed the lines he's marked out for us. You know, we've had brilliant years in the past where we said, our vision for this year is that. And they were great. And we achieved the majority of what we said. But this year, I really sense the Holy Spirit saying, it's not about a vision, it's about a mission. 
It's about let's run the race of mission. Now, he's given us, like it says in Hebrews, a race marked out for us. Where do we see the lines for the track of the race that he's given us to run? I believe in the verses that relate to the Great Commission and certain things. We find ourselves now, I really believe, in such a crucial moment. It's not like it was in the 70s or the 80s or the 90s where church seemed to cruise through the moment she was in. People are desperate. People need Jesus. People need to learn about Jesus. People need to receive Jesus. People need to learn about the life that Jesus has purchased for them to know. It's interesting that it was actually 10 years ago this year that I wrote, I think it was my first book, wasn't it? God's Blueprint. And I wrote this book 10 years ago, God's Blueprint for his church. And it was strange. A couple of weeks ago, I felt the Lord say, read through that book. that you." So I got it out of the cupboard, dusted it off. And as I began to read it, I suddenly realized that actually I wrote it 10 years ago for today. But it's more relevant for today than what it was when I first wrote it. If you've never read God's blueprint, get a copy. It's spot on for where we are today. Because basically, it said God wants a church that's focused on what he's focused on. God wants a church that's passionate about what he's passionate about. And that's not what flavor muffins we have on our trays when we serve tea and coffee. It's not the lighting or the smoke. We love those things. It's about the things that matter to the heart of God most. And I want to focus our attention on those things this year. So what are we going to focus on this year? Well, we find that in the commissional verses of Matthew 28, Mark 16, 15. This year, we want to be more passionate than ever before about going, about preaching, about making disciples. You know, Matthew 28, 19, go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey. We want this year to be, I want to preach harder than I've ever preached. I want us to preach and communicate Christ harder than we ever have before, making disciples, baptizing people, seeing sick people healed, seeing people who are in captivity set free. That's what I want us to be running with this year. But then there's this other verse in Luke, Luke chapter, 14, uh, chapter 4, verse 18, that kind of lights me up as well. And this is Jesus speaking of himself, but now we need to speak this over our lives. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoner and recovery of sight for the blind, to set oppressed people free, to proclaim the year of God's favour. You see, now that we are in Christ and Christ is in us, that we have the spirit of the risen Jesus Christ now living in us, we change that to him, to us. But over Family Church this year, I want to declare the spirit of the Lord is upon us as a group and when we're individuals alone. The spirit of, this is going to be a year of miracles. We're going to get buildings given to us this year. We're going to see sicknesses healed in supernatural ways. This is a year where God's going to show off. The last few years, everyone's been showing off. This year, I want to see God show off. The Spirit of the Lord is on me and you. He's anointed us to proclaim the good news. He sent us to the poor to proclaim freedom, to the prisoner 
recovery of sight to the blind, to the person that's oppressed, you can go free now. I want this house to be a house of freedom where people come in bound and they leave loosed. They come in sick and they leave healed. They come in broken and they leave mended. Now as a church family, we want a, a, a passionate commitment to these three things, which is not a vision, it's the original mission. Remember, Jesus didn't give us a co-vision. He gave us a commission. So the three things we're going to concentrate on this year or keep concentrating on are really simple. Number one, seeing people connected to God. Seeing as many people get saved as we can because that's people's greatest need. Number two, to being disciples and to making disciples. And number three, seeing lives healed and mended and set free by the power of God. Wholeness coming into people's worlds. This fits well with the banner that's on our website that we say that we're here to reach, grow and empower. So let's break these three things down briefly. We want a commitment this year as individuals as well as a body of people to seeing people get saved. This is the year that I believe we're going to see more people saved through what we do than any other year over the last 25. Reaching people who are lost that don't know God's love yet or salvation. Being a church of soul winners, training people to be soul winners, encouraging people to be evangelistic in their lifestyle. You've heard me say before that a lot of modern evangelism has been about bringing a person to a building to find Jesus. This year, we want to train and encourage you to take Jesus to them and then bring them to church to be a part of us. Church for so long has been bring them to find him here. What could happen if we bring him to them and then bring them to us? You see, evangelism was never meant to be trapped on a stage done by a handful of people in nice costumes. It was meant to be something in the lifestyle of every follower of Jesus. So we want to be empowering you to lead people to Jesus correctly. As a part of that, we want to put a greater emphasis on water baptism. We want to get more crazy with water baptism. Because often, because we live in England and not Florida or Australia, we normally wait until the weather's fairly decent and then we do a big one down the seafront. We'll still do big ones down the seafront. But I've asked the pastors of every congregation to either get hold of a mobile one or build one into our buildings. I want to see baptisms every, every month. I want to see us leading people to Jesus and about once a month baptizing everyone we've led to the Lord so that we're not saying you've got to wait four months, you've got to wait five months. Man, if anybody's really desperate, I'll take them to a bathtub and sink them there. I don't mind how we do this. So we're working now on putting baptismals in the Empower Centre in Portsmouth in Haven. We're looking at how we can bring a mobile one in here. So maybe after a Sunday morning meeting, we can have coffee together and baptise 10, 15 people. Because the Bible said, go preach the message. Tell them to change the way they think about God and baptise them in the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit. His blueprint is our blueprint. But also, we want a commitment to training you to being the best soul winners that you can be. Um, February the 10th, if you've never done Soul Winner Boot Camp, I'm running another Soul Winner Boot Camp on February the 10th. A number of you have been through it already. It runs for five weeks. This time it's a Thursday night. And we've seen over the last few months when we've been doing it, 2,500 households come through five weeks of training on Soul Winning. 
but the majority of them weren't family church. They were other churches around the nation. Jump on, Thursday night, live from my living room, I'll teach you for five weeks on how to lead your friends and family to Jesus. All you need to do is get signed up at soulwinner.co.uk. There's a page there called training. Get signed up for this one starting on the 10th. Because soul winning isn't about what's going to happen in here alone, but out there as well. I could spend all day on this, but let's move on to seeing disciples made. We want to have an incredible focus on helping people move from a moment of conversion, where they find Christ, to becoming a disciple and a follower of Christ. Again, we're not looking at this just being about what happens in classrooms, but in the culture of who we are. I'm looking for everyone that's walked with Jesus, even for a few months, to be ready to disciple someone else. We've been working on this strategy for a number of months now. Sean and Paula are highly involved in it. It's called Disciple Makers. We're going to roll that out the next few weeks. And what we're saying is we don't want to select few. We want everyone who's a follower of Jesus to be ready for us to say, will you walk with this person? You ring them. You check on them. You check for the six weeks that they get the best start of walking with Jesus that they could possibly get. Because historically, we've been brilliant at leading people to Jesus, but I don't think we've been as strong in helping people take the next significant six weeks of walking with Jesus. So our net has had a hole in it, and we've lost people that I think we shouldn't have lost. I can't do anything about that except for pray for their return, but we can mend the net. And we want to take discipleship from being something that's done in the classroom. We'll still have discipleship modules, but something that you're involved with, with the people in your world. Again, we'll share more on that in the next couple of weeks. A couple of exciting courses coming under our discipleship. Number one, we're going to release, is it next week? Your course that you've written. Two weeks' time, Stuart's written a new discovery course called Welcome Home. It's brilliant. We're going to be running that during the year on Sunday mornings. So if you've never done a discovery course, a foundation course, that's brilliant. Here's another news flash that really lights me up. September, we're going to open a ministry school, a full-time ministry school called The Forge. And I want to spend a year pouring what God taught me in the last 30 years into 20 or 30 young people. It's not going to be a nice, polite Bible school. That's not what God's put on my heart. He said to me, open a blacksmith's shop and fashion people for my purposes. So September, please keep us in your prayers. No one's signed up yet because they don't know about it, but I'm believing for 20, 18 to 30s, and we're going to take a year, I'm going to take a year to pour everything that God's done in me and shown me in 30 years, Stuart, Jeff, the other pastors, into these young people. And they're going to have two routes that they can take. It's called kings and priests. We'll either train them for ministry or we'll train them for the business world. You see, in the Bible, there were kings and there were priests. So what we do is we all come through one year where we just put them in fire, hit them with a hammer, put them in the water. We spend a month dealing with people's character, who they are in Christ, and then we help them to take one of two directions. Either we build them to be pastors, evangelists, pastors, prophets, or we build them to step into the business world and take that over for Jesus. 
So, yeah, God gave me the name and everything. The Forge, isn't that brilliant? The Forge. So meaty, isn't it? The Forge. Paul, you'd say that so well. The Forge. The Forge. Maybe we need to get Paul doing the voiceover on that. Welcome to The Forge. I'm, I'm excited about this. The opportunity to pour our lives into 20 or 30 people. That's what I'm believing for, for that. And then number three, um, we're really passionate about giving more time to seeing people healed, delivered, set free by the Holy Spirit. Anyone that's oppressed, released, ministering to people in the power of the Holy Spirit. Souls saved, disciples made, and the power of God. But I want to close with this thought. This is going to be an amazing lap for Family Church. But I really believe it should be an amazing lap for each and every one of us as well. But we shouldn't just say, my church is going to run its best lap yet. But we should look in the mirror and say, you know what? I'm going to run my best lap. I've had some good ones. I've had some bad ones. I've had some downright dodgy ones when it comes for me running with Jesus. We can all say that. But this year, I'm leaving sin behind. I'm leaving baggage behind. And I'm going to run my best lap yet for him. I want to see everyone running to do something that I heard of when I was a child, but I haven't heard of it for many years. Because I don't want you to run to get a title. I don't want you to run to get an incentive. I want you to run to win the crown that Jesus Christ has for you to win. There's a crown, man. When did we stop talking about this? There's a crown for every believer who runs his race for Jesus when he's alive. Oh, your garment of righteousness and your entrance into heaven, that's free. You do nothing but believe. But that's not the crown. The Bible says that there's a winner's crown that Jesus will give to every person who ran the race, even if it was tough, even if it was hard, even if it cost you everything. We've got to get our minds off of earthly reward and begin to picture that moment one day when we stand before Jesus and he gives us a crown and it's got our name on it and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. My attention was drawn to this crown. I'm going to overrun a little bit today. My attention was drawn to this crown at the funeral of, you know, who was a dear friend and a mentor in my life, Pastor Colin Urquhart. Last year, he went off to glory, finished his training and went into reigning. And I had the privilege of going to his tribute service. He didn't want a funeral. That was just too dull for him. He wanted a tribute service. He actually didn't want a tribute service. His family did. But at the end of a tribute service, this man had ran his race with Jesus for 50 to 60 years, affected hundreds of thousands of people, started revivals in cities. From the moment he found Christ, he ran a race that lasted about 60 years. They read this at the end of this tribute service, and I just thought it was really apt. And one day, many days from now, if Jesus tarries and I go, please read this at my tribute service. It's the words of Paul. I am already been poured out like a drink offering and the time for my departure is near. And then he says, I fought the good fight. I finished my race. I kept the faith. 
Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, that's the winner's crown, the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. Listen, listen to the next bit. And not only me, but also to all and everyone who lived with a longing of his appearing. Can you hear what Paul's saying? He's saying to this life, you can't give me anything because I never ran for you. I ran for a crown, man, that one day I knew my Jesus would give for me. But then he says, it's not just me who has a crown in heaven. Everyone who lives with a longing for his return. Everyone who has a commitment to run the race that God has given them can expect a crown in heaven. It's interesting, when you look at that word crown, there's two words that are used for crown in the Greek. And the first one is diadem. And that word is only ever used for his crown, the crown that King Jesus wears. But then there's another word called Stephanus. And Stephanus is the crown that they give to a winner that took part in a race. This is the crown that Paul's speaking of. Paul's saying, do you know that there's a winner's crown? Billy Graham got his. Wigglesworth got his. Spurgeon got his. Wesley got his. Finney got his. And there's a crown with your name on it. You may not have spoken to crusades of thousands. You may have been faithful to represent one for the Lord. But there's a crown that belongs to every person. Every person that's on setup team, there's a crown. Every person that's serving with a kid, there's a crown. Don't do what you do for title or because of guilt. Do it because there's a crown, man. One day you're going to stand before Jesus Christ, the risen God, and He's going to give you a crown for the life that you chose to live for Him. The things you chose not to do, the things you did that were sacrificial, the things you give when you couldn't give it, the things you did when you were tired. There's a crown. I want you running for your crown. This year I'm going to run for my crown. Forgive me if I look like a lunatic this year. I caught a glimpse of a crown. And I want that crown. I want that crown. I want to get that crown. You know, Queen Victoria was a bit of an odd lady. She really wasn't good at raising kids. But she made one quote, one quote that I love. Listen to this. This was Queen Victoria, the monarch of our nation at one time. She said, oh, how I long for the return of Jesus Christ during my reign so that I may have the opportunity to cast this crown you've given me at his feet. Listen, the reality is the moment that Jesus gives us that crown, all of us are going to take it and throw it at his feet and crown him with many crowns crown him with every crown oh I'm going to get my crown no no the crown belongs to those who run that's why I'm saying to you with great passion and urgency run lockdown is over run 
the prison door is open. Run, the world is ripe for a move of the Spirit of God. Run, the world is ripe to find Jesus Christ. Run, run, run. Let's bring us in for a landing, hey? I also believe that this is going to be a bit of an oxymoron year. Let me try and unpack that ever so quickly. What I'm hearing when I'm praying is we're going to run in rest. We're going to run in rest. But wait a moment, run and rest. They don't live together. No, not in the world they don't, but in God's kingdom they do. I believe this year we're going to see a supernatural year where we see God do more than he's ever done before in our lifetime. I believe we're going to see God do miracles in us and through us. I believe God's going to do incredible things where he releases incredible things. It's not going to be by our effort, but he does require our presence on the track. All we need to do is turn up for the run. And just like the battles of old involving Jehoshaphat and David, Gideon and every other saint that led an army in the Old Testament, we're going to be walking onto battlefields this year saying, God, what are we even here for? You've beaten them all already. And he's going to say, you're here, don't get me started. You're here to take back from the enemy's camp everything that was stolen from you. It's a year of watching God do. Here's my theme for this year. Watch what God's going to do in 22. But he's calling every believer to come out of the stands of spectatorship. Onto the track. In the lane that he has for them. It's time to make your devotional life the best it's ever been. You're giving the best it's ever been. You're serving the best it's ever been. We're going to run our best race as a church and as followers of Jesus. But we're not going to produce the miraculous win. That's going to be him. So God's saying, run in rest. We'll do more in rest this year than we did in striving in previous years. But right now at the end of this Vision Sunday, which has suddenly become a Mission Sunday formerly known as I'm calling you to run family church need you to run this year there's a crown that waits for you but it's not going to be given to those who sat and watched robe of righteousness it's yours entrance into heaven it's yours because that's all based on the race that he ran but I believe that Jesus is speaking to every one of us today when it comes to the church your best lap yet. If you haven't served, get on a team. Well, what team should I get on? The one you hate the most because your crown will be bigger. I don't know what to say to you. Get on team. Serve harder than you've ever served. Give bigger than you've ever given. Love bigger than you've ever loved. Make this year a year that makes your church run its best lap. But you also. There's a crown. There's a crown. I remember at the end of Pastor Colin's funeral, somebody said to me, are you sad, Andy? Because he'd become a really good friend of mine, a mentor, a pastor in my life. I said, I have moments of sadness, but that's based in my own greed because I miss being with him. I said, but every bit of sadness goes the moment. I think of that moment when a man 
who ran his race for Jesus for 60 years opened <laughs> opened his eyes and saw the Jesus that he'd been running for and that Jesus was standing there with a smile holding a crown a winner's crown and written across the winner's crown was Colin and he looked up I just wonder what that look looked like when he heard Jesus say, I know it was tough sometimes. I know you did things you didn't want to do. I know there was a lot of inconvenience. Well done. Well done. Good and faithful servant. Enter into my joy. Enter into my rest. All eternity is now going to be the harvest of the seeds you sowed on earth. Run. Run. This year, run. Put your little COVID slippers away. They're so last year. Get your Issachar trainers on. I know the moment I'm in. I'm going to pray for my church like I've never prayed for my church. I'm going to pray for lost souls more. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to share Christ more. I'm going to just explode or something. Because this year I want the problem of taming wild horses, not raising dead donkeys. Come on, get into trouble. Do something that makes Jesus famous. And let's see his kingdom come. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, why don't you do it today? Maybe you're here, you're visiting, and you're like, you guys are crazy, but you know what you're doing and you've got something you're living for. Yes, we do. And you can too. We've got an incredible vision this year and we want you to be a part of it. Let's just start by praying this prayer together. Then we're going to give a quick opportunity for anyone to respond. Then we're going to release you to tea and coffee and a time of fellowship. But let's pray this prayer together. Thank you, Father, that you sent Jesus to die on a cross for me. Thank you, Jesus, when I place faith in you. My sins are forgiven. My life becomes brand new. I believe in you, Jesus. Fill me now with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for my salvation. I call you Lord. I call you Saviour. Amen. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. If you're here today and you've never prayed that prayer or you've been away from God and today you want to do business with God and bring your life back under His rule and reign, I'm going to ask you when I count to three just to lift your hand nice and brave and say, yep, today, forgetting what lays behind. New day today, new day today. Fresh start with God today. One, two, three. Is there anyone today and you just... You just need to get your hand up nice and high if it's you. Get your hand up nice and high and say, today I'm crossing the line. Today I give my life to this Jesus. God bless you, sir. I'll see that hand. Is there another person? You say, me too, Andy. Me too, Andy. I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to give my life to this Jesus. I need something to live for, like that thing that you've found to live for. I need that. I need Jesus in my life. Is there anyone else? Father, I pray for this gentleman this morning that heaven would be released upon his life. 
But Father, he would find you in a way that he never knew he could find you and everything in him would begin to change. Would you fill him with your Holy Spirit, Lord? And let him begin a run today that makes his life so much fun and achieves so many things. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen.